Hello and welcome to the Karen Discipleship Podcast. I'm Craig Marshall and with me today is Anne-Marie Gowsward and also Curtis Solomon from the Biblical Counseling Coalition. We're here on site at the 2018 Summer Institute and uh, one of the great privileges we have is getting to talk with some of our speakers uh, about their various ministries and things they're involved in in biblical counseling. So Curtis, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Curtis, I wanted to start just by having you talk about the Biblical Counseling Coalition. I'm not sure how many of our listeners know about this great coalition and ministry, and so can you bring us up to speed on on what it is? Yeah, absolutely. So the Biblical Counseling Coalition, uh, for those who are familiar with kind of contemporary evangelical movements, is modeled somewhat like the Gospel Coalition, So, uh, but for Biblical Counseling. So I, our tagline kind of is Advancing and Enhancing Biblical Counseling Globally. And we do that through broadcasting, connecting, and collaborating. So BCC kind of goes along with our acronym there. Um, and, and what I mean by broadcasting is we promote the biblical counseling movement as a whole. So we have various partner organizations and other ministries, churches, and schools that we work with to promote biblical counseling around the world. So we do that through our podcast, 1514 our website that gets over 75,000 hits a, a month, you know, lots of those things. And we connect uh, people and tell them all about what's going on in the world of biblical counseling. We connect people by uh, the, the crown jewel of what we get to do is our annual leadership summit. So we have what's called the Biblical Counseling Coalition Council, which is around 60 of the world's leading biblical counselors, names that I'm sure all of your listeners would be familiar with. Jim Neuheiser is on, on our council, as well as David Pallison, uh, leaders in ACBC, Steve Byers, Stuart Scott. Um, I mean, you could go down the list, and there's a lot of uh, well-known, loved brothers and sisters in Christ who serve in, in those capacities. Uh, and then the, through those connections, we connect. That's the, the big one, and then but we also connect people on regional basis is just trying to say, hey, did you know that so-and-so is in your area? You guys should get together, work together. Some uh, regions actually have ongoing meetings, and we're hoping to pilot uh, our something similar to our annual leadership summit uh, on a regional basis in 2019 or 2020. And so that's really exciting. And then through those connections, we collaborate on different resources. Uh, so the Biblical Counseling Coalition started uh, early on and published three big, big resources. If you're not into reading, which most biblical counselors are into reading, <laughs> they'd make great doorstops because they're big tomes. But uh, I call it the trilogy, uh, Christ-Centered Biblical Counseling, Biblical Counseling in the Church, and the Scriptures and Counseling. And then they've moved on from that to other individual author titles. Our website has an active blog, three different blogs a week, uh, and all contributing from different people from ACBC, CCF, IBCD, IABC, ABC, any, any biblical counseling acronym you can imagine is uh, <laughs> represented uh, with the B, within the BCC. So that's what we do in a nutshell. It's been around for almost a decade. We're coming up on our 10th anniversary pretty soon in the next year or two. And uh, yeah, I could talk about it a lot. I don't know if there's other things you want to yeah, know. Yeah, it sounds like a very... Uh, it just sounds large as you're talking about that, mm. an extensive, comprehensive. Um, and so having 60 on the council, that that's fascinating how many different voices you could have mm -hmm. in, in at the table. Is that a big part of what you're trying to do is have voices talking together? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we had our first global summit, so bringing people from all across the world back in 2016, and the theme was Better Together. 
And we really do believe that uh, it's it's easy when our in our busy lives, you know, you know, having run a, a being pastoring in a church, but also running a ministry, you can get really focused in on just your ministry and thinking about what's going on in your world. But there's a lot of other people doing biblical counseling, and there's different thinking and different thoughts going on uh, in other organizations. We focus on churches, organizations, and educational institutions, so professors that are thinking about new things and new ideas, writing new stuff. If you're just in your lane thinking about your stuff all the time, you're going to miss out on opportunities for growth as well as uh, miss, other people missing out on what you're doing. And sometimes we can get so stuck in our lane, we, we f- don't see our own weaknesses. So when we bring people together, we're able to sharpen one another. And that's why I say enhance and advance biblical counseling, is we really want to advance, enhance what we're already doing and then advance it into places where it isn't existing yet. So. I'm glad you brought up the council. I've always wanted to be a fly on the wall <laughs> when yeah. you guys meet together. Um, and you mentioned earlier this week wanting to get prayer journals for the guys. And I just yeah. thought, can you give us a picture of what that looks like when you get together? Sure, sure. Our annual leadership summit is uh, outside Atlanta, Georgia, at the Windshape uh, Retreat Center in Rome, Georgia. And it's a beautiful setting. So we get together for, it's a, it covers three days. We start Tuesday night all day Wednesday and through lunch on Thursday. And what that entails is various talks, lectures by particular people. And then we also have panel discussions where we do case studies. So you'll have representatives from CCF, ACBC, and a few other organizations um, working through the exact same case so we can see if there's any nuanced differences in how we might approach things. Uh, and oftentimes we see the, what the reality is that we're very unified in what we do. Um, it's intentionally selective and closed door. We don't typically record what we do. It's, we encourage people not to be posting. You know, there's no live tweeting allowed, that kind of thing. So it's very uh, family-friendly and, well, that's a different context. But it's, it's an in-house discussion. People can feel free to talk about things that they might otherwise publicly be cautious to, to say. Um, and it's a really sweet time of fellowship as well, building relationships, because we really believe relationships are key to keeping this movement unified and together and, and moving forward. Um, one of the early things I did early on was really trying to define what is, when we say biblical counseling, what do we mean? Because that term is used and abused and stolen and manipulated so many different ways. So at the early council meetings, they had around 30 people at that time, and they really hashed out what are the key central tenets of biblical counseling? What are the things that we might hold dear but aren't essential? And let's, let's leave those things out. And then they wrote up what we call our confessional statement, and that's available for people online. It's a great resource. So if anybody ever says to you, hey, what is biblical counseling? Say, hey, go to the BCC website. You can find out about it on the About tab or search confessional statement. Uh, and that was actually just published in the most recent Journal of the Biblical Coun- uh, Journal of Biblical Counseling. David Pallison did a great intro for us on that. But yeah, I mean, great meals and food, sitting around fellowshipping, those prayer journals that I, I mentioned to you. Uh, we spend time in small groups praying for one another, and I just wanted them to do that around the dinner table this, this year so that we can spend other time uh, focusing on some in-house discussion, some questions and issues that are facing the biblical counseling movement that we want to address um, 
yeah, it's a it's a really fun time. And the the majority of people when they find out about that, they say, "How can I get into that room? <laughs> right? <laughs> Where's the invite? <laughs> Where's the invite list? Where can I buy a ticket?" And it's it, um, not to be snooty or snobby or anything, but it's selective and it's mm-hmm. it's inv- invitation only and those kind of things. I was always asking Jim if he needed a note taker and like like if each of the people needed someone to be there and just transcribe things for them, but it never worked. So. <laughs> no, never. He did actually last year. He had an assistant come because he got he hurt right before. I he heard. Drive. Yeah. I heard. It was. It just happened to not be you that. It day. happened yeah. to not <laughs> or be me. Or, or yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, I think it's great to know what's kind of going on behind the scenes that there are discussions happening. I think of our listeners as many of them are just in the trenches seeking to mm-hmm. help people. Um, it's, it's helpful to realize that these discussions are happening, but I could also see wondering why do these discussions need to be happening? Why, why is it that communication can be so difficult? Have you seen, or do you have answers to why it is that we need to invest and have these people spending time at the table, talking together, praying together? Is there something about biblical counseling or? Well, there's, I mean, there's a few things. I mean, you look historically, if you read Dr. Pallison's dissertation, which has been published as the Biblical Counseling Movement, or Dr. Lambert's uh, Counseling Movement After Adams, historically, we've had some hiccups. You know, we've had some disagreements and, and, and fights. Some of those over legitimate differences in doctrine or practice. Some of those just over personality. And honestly, the, the main, one of the best ways to deal with those kind of things is just to know people. One of the key things they wanted the Biblical Counseling Coalition to do and at that annual leadership summit to really foster is to get people talking to one another rather than about one another or at one another. So, um, and if you think about these people's lives logistically, that's just hard to do unless you carve out a very specific time to do that. I mean, even here at the at the pre-conference and conference, Greg Gifford and I are both teaching on PTSD in the pre-conference, but we saw each other for about two minutes uh, before the conference started, actually not even before, it was like in between breaks, because um, we're busy, we're taught people are asking questions, and we have our own lives, we have families, ministries, churches, schools, all these things we're involved with, uh, so unless we carve out special time to f- intentionally create relationships, they are not going to happen, and so the BCC is blessed to, to do that, and the beauty of the BCC is it wasn't created, and then we came in and said, hey, you guys need to join us and and participate the leaders of the movement recognize we need this, and it was created by the leaders of the of the different organizations, schools, and churches, and biblical counseling. So. One of the things, as we just think about our, our listeners, and as you were talking before, just a vast amount of resources, mm-hmm. and that, and I also love how you all are um, broadcasting what's out there because. In today's day and age, you can just kind of know the resources that were handed to you in your training and you just kind of stick with them. There's a ton of great stuff being written. What, how can the BCC help people who are in the trenches helping people? What's, what's most helpful about what you guys have going on? Yeah, for the people in the trenches, the easiest and most helpful thing is our website. If you go to biblicalcounselingcoalition.org, or if you're like me and you can't spell coalition or have difficulty with it, it's biblicalcc.org. Either URL will get you there. If you go to the resources tab, click on that. There's an alphabetized listing of almost every topic you can imagine running into in counseling. And there's thousands of free resources available on all kinds of different topics, you know, from self-harm, depression, anxiety, on and on and on. Uh, and those are all free. They're, and that's, that's probably the easiest, most direct way people can be benefited by the coalition. 
Another thing is we have a job board where churches, organizations, others who are looking for biblical counselors uh, to hire them or to work part-time intern, they can post there. Also, if you're looking for work in biblical counseling, that can be hard to find sometimes. So, uh, And that's everything from the counseling pastors at big churches to professors of biblical counseling at different institutions to women counselor at this institution. So there's lots of help there. Uh, and then we also have a Find a Counselor page. Our website's being refreshed right now, so that's going to be easier to search. But uh, most people, I think, think about that in the sense of, I need help, how can I get help? Which it's definitely there for that. But it's also a great place for you, like I said, that networking, that connecting thing, is to say, hey, who else is around here besides me? Um, and if you go to your zip code, once it's refreshed and working correctly, you'll be able to click on that, put your information in there, and find out other biblical counselors in your area so you can say, man, it's just good to know you're there. I can reach out talk to you. Um, those are just a few ways people can be benefited by what the BCC is doing. Part of the breadth of the BCC is that it's beyond just the U.S., right? And so what are you seeing that's happening on a worldwide scale, and how's the BCC involved in that? Yeah, well, the exciting thing is that the biblical counseling movement is expanding globally at a really rapid pace. Um, right now, Latin America is just exploding with biblical counseling. Kike uh, Torres, who's here at the at the conference, is on his way to another conference, and he's been hosting conferences in in Central Mexico, uh, Western Mexico, and now in Colombia for the last couple of years, and they've just been growing rapidly. Uh, and South America, so there's biblical counseling movements in Portugal, or not Portugal, Brazil, they speak Portuguese, uh, Ecuador, Colombia, uh, El Salvador, all these places is just, it's it's on fire. Steve Ayers talked about it as almost like a third wave of missions, is a lot of times when the mission movement historically went out, the first wave was really, let's, let's get people saved, you know, get them into heaven, say prayers, baptize them, whatever you need to do, get them saved, but then as they began to grow, they recognized we need to disciple these people in theology. They need more teaching. So the second wave was more setting up seminaries and, and training pastors, training churches to understand scripture. And what we're seeing now is that just like all of us, we recognize, oh man, just because you know a lot of theology doesn't mean you don't have problems. Um, and so there's this almost third wave of missions where biblical counseling is reaching out and people are saying, oh, I can apply this Bible thing and this theology to my real everyday problems. So that's been really exciting. We've been adding members to our council internationally for the last few years. So we're bringing somebody on, Lord willing, from India this year, uh, New Zealand. Actually, the Australasia area has been growing, uh, the Far East, Japan. Uh, there's a, been a lot going on in, in Russia and other former Soviet bloc countries. Europe is a uh, pretty active. We have members uh, or people participating actively from Spain, Portugal, the UK, Germany, Belgium. I mean, it's hard to, South Africa, you know, on and on and on. I think Sub-Sahara north of South Africa is still a, a, an area we haven't broken into, but we had an intern uh, with the BCC from Nigeria this past year, and he was just so excited. He got to go to the summit and meet all these people and just have his eyes opened to how his ministry can and should be different going back to Nigeria um, and, and implementing and bringing biblical counseling there. So it's just been, uh, it's super exciting to see the rapid growth and the rapid accepting of biblical counseling around the world. Wow, that's great. 
Um, I have a question I was thinking about. Just I'm a counselor in the trenches mm -hmm. and also involved with training somewhat with IBCD. So can you tell me, I guess, what can we as biblical counselors be doing better? How can we be doing our practice better? Hmm. That is a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, that is, a, that is a tough question. I think we can always be growing in our, in our learning and our understanding. Um, you never, uh, kind of what Greg, Craig mentioned a minute ago, is that there is always something more to learn. And I think sometimes we can get stuck in thinking, I've been equipped with the things that I got in my initial training, uh, whether that was with ABCBC or ABC or IBCD or any other organization or church, and, and think that's it. That's all I need to know. And the reality is that there's so much more to learn. So keep on learning. I'm a lifetime learner. I'm, I'm a big advocate of lifetime learning. So keep growing, keep learning. Don't just uh, rest with what you had. Sometimes, I, I've said this on our own podcast a few times, don't think that just because you listened to this podcast or don't think that just because you went to this conference, you're fully equipped to handle these situations um, because 30 minutes of instruction on a topic like bulimia or anorexia or you know eating problems, however you want to categorize those, does not make you an expert. So keep learning, keep studying, and most of all, keep studying Scripture and really digging into it and finding out how you can know it. Jim is known, Jim Neuheiser is well known for saying, how thick is your Bible yeah. when it comes <laughs> to counseling? And that's a good question. Jesus, when he was tempted by Satan, quoted from Deuteronomy multiple times. And I've often said, man, if my ability to resist temptation was limited to my knowledge of Deuteronomy and my ability to quote from Deuteronomy, I would be in yeah. trouble. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so learn, keep learning, keep reading, keep... Uh, and then in networking, getting to know other people and not, not thinking I am it that I, all these problems rest on me. You might be the only biblical counselor around for 500 miles, but you're not alone. Uh, you have the Holy Spirit, the Church of Christ. Reach out, get, get help. Don't think that you're in this fight on your own, no matter how isolated you feel. Just listening to you talk, part of what I hear is the dynamics that we see in the local church. Like people have this mindset of, oh, we go to this one person and they counsel us, they solve our problems. Part of the whole <laughs> biblical counseling thing is it takes the whole church to help you yeah. Yeah. become sanctified, grow in your faith. And the BCC seems to be representing that in some ways at an institutional level, like mm -hmm. even as counselors and thinkers in this movement, we also need others to help shape us and help us as we're interacting with the complexities of scripture intersecting with people's lives, yeah. you know? So we see that in our churches and then we see it on this bigger scale. So to me, that's just delightful how that, how you're charging ahead in that. Curtis, I was wondering if you could tell us about one of the passages that you found really helpful as you've been um, helping people with their struggles. Yeah, actually, I was really encouraged by that question because there's one passage that uh, has stood out to me recently as I've been helping people think through uh, post-traumatic stress and kind of what we were talking about in the pre-conference. Um, and, and I'm a big advocate of, of helping people develop preparedness for uh, facing traumatic situations and difficulty. And one passage that stood out to me was 1 Samuel chapter 25. And, and the way that I would use this passage with somebody is actually if I knew there was a, a particular young man going into a combat role in the military, like infantry, uh, special forces, other things like that, where they're probably going to be engaging in some type of uh, hostile action, to actually prepare them on the front end with truths and, and equip them 
to face those situations and be less uh, negatively affected by it. I think it would be, it's more wrongheaded to think people should go into those situations and come out unaffected. I think that would be more problematic than, than people wrestling with some of the things they wrestle with after seeing some of the traumas of, of combat. But Second Samuel chapter 25 might sound a little bit weird, or First Samuel 25 might sound a little bit weird because it's the story where, where David first meets Abigail. I'll just set it up a little bit and then dive into a few verses in the chapter. Um, David's just learned about Samuel dying, and he goes out into the wilderness, and he's wandering around, and they're near um, this guy Nabal, who is this really wealthy guy. He has over 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and it's shearing season, so it's this big harvest kind of feel to it, the big party going on. And David's got 600 guys with him, and he says, hey, you know, we've protected you for a long time. Uh, can you share some of your wealth and some of the things that we've actually helped protect and maintain for you with our, with our men uh, to feed them, help them celebrate in the, in the feast? And David actually sends a, a group of guys forward to, to Nabal to ask. And Nabal, has actually, his name means foolish, and he's an idiot. And he turns him down and says, who is David? What do I care about this guy? Go away. Uh, well, David being kind of ticked off, and I think it's interesting that it's in the context of just having lost a dear friend and mentor. Uh, I think that can be applicable and maybe point us to why David reacts so harshly. He gets word that Nabal says no, and he says to all of his men, he says, let's mount up. And it says they, they girded themselves with their swords. He takes 400 guys on horses, and David comes charging, and he basically says, you know, that, that common phrase, if if I don't destroy every single one of these men, may it be like God just annihilate us if I don't annihilate all of them. Well, Nabal has this, he's a total loser, but he got this amazing wife. Uh, scripture says is beautiful and intelligent. And she comes out and she hears that David is coming to destroy her people. And she jumps on a horse, gets a whole bunch of food and goes out to meet David and says to David, hey, don't do this thing. Um, and she appeals to him to actually protect his own heart. And I think it's interesting. If you look at verses 25, we'll pick up there. It says, Please do not let my Lord pay attention to this worthless man, Nabal. For as his name is, so he is. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. She says, look, I didn't know about this group of guys. Here is a whole bunch of food for you. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has restrained you from shedding blood and from avenging yourself by your own hand, now then let your enemies and, the, and those who seek evil against my Lord be as Nabal. Now let this gift which your maidservant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who accompany my Lord. Please forgive the transgression of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord is is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil will not be found in all your days. Should anyone rise up to pursue you and seek your life, then the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will sling out from the, from the hollow of the sling. And when the Lord does for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and appoints you as ruler over Israel... This will not cause grief for a trouble or trouble for your heart to my Lord, but by both by having shed blood without cause and by the Lord having avenged himself, 
when the Lord deals well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who sent you this day to me, and blessed be your discernment, and blessed be you who have kept me this day from bloodshed and from avenging myself by my own hand. So you see there, Abigail is not saying, David, you should never kill anybody. Killing is always going to be bad and always going to result in trouble for you. But she points to the motivation of his heart. And she says, look, if you kill us now, you're doing it for your own sake, for your own name, and to avenge this wrongdoing against you. And it will cause grief or trouble to your heart. Uh, she's, she's concerned about that, but it's not the killing that is the problem. It's why it's killing. So they're going to be forced into situations where they're going to have to take human life. And that's hard. And that's a difficult thing to deal with no matter what the motivation is. But when they go out, there's going to be times where they are tempted to act out in vengeance because they just saw a brother uh, killed the day before and they want to get vengeance back. Um, or they're just upset, or maybe they're just, they love the thrill and the rush of, of combat and killing. Those things are going to result in a troubled heart for them later on. Uh, and so I like to use this passage of Scripture with guys before on the front end so that when they're faced in that moment and challenge them, when that temptation comes, you know God's Word has something to say about that, and you can choose a path that is going to lead to difficulty and trouble and hardship and, and torture in your own soul, or you can choose a path that is going to be less difficult uh, and to encourage them to choose the right one and also encourage them to lead others in that as well because it, it's easy to get sucked up in that group mentality when you're out with a unit of men that you train with, you love, you would die for. Um, so anyway, that's one passage I really have found a lot of comfort and encouragement in. That's really helpful. Well, Curtis, thanks so much for your time with us. We're thrilled to have you at the conference. We're also thrilled about what the BCC is doing. And I know Jim's been very blessed as being on that council and the discussions and getting to know um, people. And I know it's been sharpening for him, which has helped sharpen many of us. And uh, so we'll be praying about your work. And then also for our people, go to BCC's website and see those resources. It's a really great thing. So thanks so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Have you downloaded the IBCD resource app? The app not only includes IBCD's latest content, but also other voices from the biblical counseling world, including ACBC, CCF, and the Biblical Counseling Coalition. Download it today in both the Apple and Android stores.